you have your Bibles, grab those. Luke chapter 1 this morning. Luke chapter uh, 1 um, is where we'll be at. Next week, um, next week we're going to start, um, we're not really going to start, it's kind of, we'll lead into a little bit, uh, a series uh, that will um, push us into about a six to eight week series beginning the year. Um, and, and I guess kind of what I'm wrestling around with right now is this, this thought of don't waste your life. Uh, and then it'll kind of, like I said, press us into the first uh, Sunday in January. Um, uh, really some vision uh, and direction and foundation of who we are as a church and as a people uh, and, and what that will mean for us going into the future as new life uh, and what that will look like lived out and walked out. Um, and, it, and it's going to be a very uh, just in-depth, I think, very intense series on discipleship and, and what God would call and ask us as the people of God, uh, as his followers, uh, to do. And so kind of just a little heads up over the next couple of weeks what the game plan will be um, there. Uh, and, and I'm going to, um, oh man, I have been, been like fighting for a moment. It's kind of, I guess, just in my soul, spirit. Um, and I don't know what it is. And I not even like when we were about there praying before we came out, like I just, and I, oh, I'm everywhere right now, I'm sorry. Um, I did take my medicine. You can rest assured of that. Um, but no, I, I think for me, um, I just get sick and tired of the fake junk in church. I don't, I don't know about you, but I just get sick and tired of that um, and the games we have to play and things like that. And I don't, I don't know about you. I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want to be like that. And so I guess what I want to do right now in this moment is ask you to just, let's just stop before we continue because I don't know what it is, but just wrestling something this morning. Um, and I don't want to get up here and act all like pretty and, okay, I can't act pretty. I'm not pretty, but... Um, act fake and like I've got and I know often like when we come to church like that's the big one when you walk in and everything's great and good and glorious and it's just oh yeah and then you get back to the car and you freak out you go back to that state that you were in or whatever I just don't want to be that guy I think for too long the 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 people that stand in the pulpit portray and pretend to be something and, and I just I just don't want I don't want to do that and, and so for whatever reason and, and it's not that I don't trust the story it's not that I don't know all the truth that we've just saying that I, none of that is shaky. I just don't know what it is. I just, I feel like I'm just in a battle. I don't know, maybe it's this time of the season and this is my first time kind of entering into this time of season in a different state. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just want to ask you before we just jump into where God's going to take us this morning, if, if we could just, let's just pray. I just, I just want to pray. Um, and I, I want to ask you specifically, just kind of pray for me this morning, um, that, that I'd be obedient to whatever it is that God wants to do and say uh, in this place and through me. And that I would just, again, I just always want to be real. Um, and I'm just, for whatever reason, I'm not feeling it. I don't know if that's a, anyway, just let's pray, let's pray. Father, um, I do just want to just stop before we get started, even open up a word or look at what you want to say this morning. Um, and I just want to acknowledge this morning, I feel like I need you more now than ever. I don't even know what that means. I feel heavy. I feel tired. I feel frustrated. I've got just a number of emotions running through my heart right now. And God, I don't want to stand up here and pretend like, like I'm okay. Or pretend like I've got it all together. Or pretend like for 45 minutes... When you know my heart, 
You, you, you know where I'm at. And so, God, I, just, I need your help. I need your help this morning. I guess in a fresh new way. I don't even know what that means. And Father, just even through that, that you would just speak. God, the mess that I've already made of this morning. That, that you would clean up, that you would do a work that only you can do. So, Father, your truth is proclaimed. I believe it wholeheartedly, and I know. And so, God, I just pray that that comes through. I pray that, that we hear from heaven this morning and that you do a work in this place. Father, I love you. Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to open up your word as we look toward Christmas and celebrate what this means. Father, be present. And we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, again, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Well, again, I don't not believe or I don't not trust or I don't believe. Oh, I don't know, just sometimes you have those, you know, like you just wake up and you're just, oh, I don't know what the deal is. Um, it's kind of one of those. Let's, let's, let's see what God will do in the midst of that because he is sovereign and good and in control even. And so um, I want to start this morning by telling you a story. I just want to tell you a story. Um, and and I, there's kids in here and, and I want to... We'll, we'll, we'll break it down in a minute. So um, I can remember growing up, grew up in West Virginia, and it was, it was a snow day. Um, it was a snow day. We didn't have school. We were out, and um, uh, it's like one of those old-fashioned, like, good snow days, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, we got a lot of snow, but I played basketball, and we still had practice because coach was not, not going to let that get away. You know what I mean? Like, if you, we're, we're doing it. Even if there's no school, and we're West Virginia folk, you know what I'm saying? So we put chains on, on the tires, and we go. We do what we got to do. And so we, um, we have practice, and uh, I lived in a community in a place where there were um, some of my best friends lived next to me. We're, we're, like I said, country out there. And so, um, and I don't know what my parents were thinking at this time, but they let um, my best friend pick, pick us up. He picked me up and took me to practice. Um, and he was in a two-wheel little, like, hatchback car. And so, so we go to practice, we practice, we come out, um, and as we come out, he's like, oh, I've got to get gas, so we're, we're coming back home. I said, the roads are spotty, and so we get off, get gas. If, if we get gas, um, Chip, who was sitting in the front seat, I'm in the back seat, I'm a, I'm a sophomore at the time, so I'm the young guy, I'm in the back seat, and then uh, my, my other buddy Aaron's driving. And so um, I don't know what invoked Chip to do this, but Chip decided to make some snowballs to which he would bring in the car with us as we left. See where we're going? Kids, this is not a good, don't, uh-uh, this is not a good thing. Um, I don't think I've ever told my parents this. But anyway, so we're gassed, we're gassed up, we've we got plenty of gas to get home now, we're good. Because we only, I mean, we live 15 minutes away from school, 20 minutes away from school, so we're going. Chip decides to roll down his window. Yeah, wow, you know where we're headed, don't you? And like, I'm thinking like, okay, signs, that'd be cool to hit signs. Chip decides to throw out the oncoming traffic. To which he misses, thank God. And I'm like, dude. And my one's like, oh, you almost. And I'm like, no. And we're like, oh, I don't know what I said. But he hits the next one. To which we're like. Like I turn around, all I see is taillights. To which I hear, oh no, we got to go. Two-wheel drive, hatchback, snowy. My buddy, he guns it, and we're, we're off now. To which I see that car turn around. They're in hot pursuit. 
And like, there's not like a like little interstate you can get on. Or th- I mean, th- this is just back road, dirt road, two lane if we're lucky because it's snow type roads. And, and so like, wh- like, like, he is like cutting down roads and in and out and like behind. And okay, I think we shook him only to have us coming back up road. And here, here that guy, cu- guy or girl, I don't know who it was. Here they come again. To which we, f- like we were freaking out. Like we can't take the main roads home. To which now we're on a back road. Muddy back road. And by the grace of God, we make it home. We make it home. Not being arrested, nobody dying. Um, our parents never finding out until today. Sorry, Dad. But I mean, it was nuts. And, and so I, I, I wanted to tell you a story because I, I, just, I just think of stories. You know what I'm saying? Like I, th- I think there's so much that we can glean from a story. One, we can figure out if it's true or not. And like that's, uh, that, that's a true story. I'm not making it up. We, we, we really did that. that. That really happened. And I just think of my childhood. And, and my prayer right now, I don't know if you're a parent. My prayer right now is like, dear God, please, please help them. Not to get into too much trouble. And the trouble that I need to know about, make me well aware of it. But that's kind of my prayer right now. Um, and, and so I just... I, about this, and I just, I just look, at, look at this, and, and when you hear a story, I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can glean from a story, right? Uh, like, like kids, how convenient you're in here today, because that is, a, that is a story that you can learn from, and you don't have to go down the road. You should never throw objects from a car while you're en route to something, especially ever, never throw it at an oncoming vehicle. You should never throw stuff out of the car, ever, so that's something you can learn from, because there could have been so many things that could have happened horrifically happen. I mean, we can just learn so much from stories. They, they teach us stuff. They teach us what to do, what not to do, give us ideas. They can, I mean, just all kinds of stuff we, we can laugh at, we can cringe with people. We, I mean, it just connects us, and, and there's so much stuff that we can get from stories. And so what I'm going to do this morning is, is I'm going to have us look here in a few minutes at another story crazy and as goofy as my story was, and may be hard to believe, knowing how much of an angel I am, um, I guess that's just kind of like the innocent bystander in the back, but I don't went to jail if we went to jail, you know, but um, the story we're going to look at this morning is kind of like one of those crazy, out there type stories. I mean, have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about the story that we celebrate this morning, that we gather here to hear again and, and celebrate and reminisce over? Just this crazy story of virgin birth? Yeah, that, that doesn't happen. Vir, virgin birth? How, virgin birth? Oh, and by the way, the way that she got pregnant was because God made her pregnant? And not just like with any baby, but with, with God himself? So, so she has Jesus God in the flesh. And then he's going to be a baby and he's going to grow. And as he grows, he's going to live a perfect life. A perfect life, you're telling me? No sin. I mean, like Jesus never thought one time in his head anything anything contrary to God's standard. Anything contrary to God's heart. Not once ever. Only to go to a cross and die for us. And to take our sin and our shame upon himself and die on that cross. Why? So that we may live forever. I mean, that, that, is that not just a crazy out there type story? But, but that's what we gather to celebrate. And, and I want to press us this morning in this. Is it is a story I believe that we can trust wholeheartedly with everything in us. 
I believe that we can put everything that we've got in the reality and the truth of that story. And I want to try to show us this morning, and then I also, what I want to do is I want to land with some implications from that story. So, so let's, let's, let's get ready and jump in. Luke, Luke 1, we'll get there here in just a second. But, but this is what we know as the traditional Christmas story, right? Luke is an ancient document. It was written in the first century, so over 2,000 years ago is when this was penned. Uh, this document was copied, and it was read, and it was passed around until collected with other ancient documents, and now we have it uh, as, as one of the Gospels in the New Testament. Uh, the thing about Luke that you need to know is this, is that he's the author, but he's, he's not Jewish. So, so Luke is not a Jew. See, Jews, they were looking for Messiah. They were hoping for rescue and redemption. They, they needed and they were waiting for the promised one. So him being non-Jewish is a big deal. It's a big deal. He wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't looking for a and so, so it's very interesting that a non-Jewish man would be the one to pen this letter, to, to write this, this story. He didn't need, he wasn't looking for. And so wouldn't that lend us or tend to, to, to lead us in a direction that, that it would be a very non-biased story? It wouldn't be one that, that is, that's leaning one way or the other. There wouldn't be a lot of assumptions made. You would, you, you would see right from the start a non-biased opinion. And so Luke, the one that's responsible because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this letter, and he has this friend who's named Theopolis, who Theopolis was, was known to be a believer. He believed in a general sense, but, but, but maybe we weren't just so sure about all the specifics that come with that. And so Theopolis lived there in that first century. He lived during a time when, when, when people knew of Jesus that were still around. They were still there. They had seen and experienced. And so this is what Luke 1.1 says. It says this. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of things. So Luke is just telling us that the stuff that's going to happen, that he's going to pin, is going to be all around the life of Jesus. He's going to go throughout the gospel of Luke, and he's just going to tell story after story after story about Jesus. He's just going to record the, the things that Jesus did, the, the miracles that, took, that had taken place. He's going to talk about the disciples and the calling of the disciples. He's going to talk about that glorious story of the woman at the well. He's going to tell us the stories that we know about Jesus, everything about Jesus. That's going to be the narrative. What he's going to record is the life and the happenings around Christ. So he says, that have been accomplished among us. So he's just going to put all these in stories and get it out there. He's going to give an account of the life, the actual happenings. Verse 2 says this, it says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, See, when we see this word eyewitness, it just, it's, it's seeing oneself. Oneself, they get to see firsthand. And so what Luke is saying is that the stories I'm going to tell you are not third-hand. They're not, hey, I've heard it from a friend who. None of that. It, 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 I've seen this firsthand. I was there. I was aware of. It's not one of those, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Hey, hey, were you made aware of what so so did. And so, so this is just kind of free this morning. I think it would be good for us and edifying of the body. It, usually if someone starts out that way, a good rule of thumb is you, you probably don't want to participate in that conversation. Because the direction that that conversation is going to go, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? The direction that that conversation is going to go usually goes in a direction that's not going to be god honored not going to be edifying to the so-and-so in the story. But, but that's not what this story is. It is one that was penned some 200 years later because they heard about so-and-so. This, this is one that was penned uh, during a time from someone that was there and witnessed. See, Luke knew, knew Peter. Luke was well aware of who, who Peter was. Luke knew Paul, James, 
I mean, we just finished up a series a few weeks ago through the book of James. And one of the compelling, compelling facts and truths about the book of James that just, that just pressed me on all the more about uh, uh, the reality of is Jesus or is Jesus not is what do you got to do to get your half-brother to bow down and worship you? And, and not just bow down and worship you, but your, your half-brother. Life is taken because of his faith in his brother. I mean, I don't know if you have a sibling, but I have a sibling. And for me to bow down and worship my sibling, what would it take for that to happen? Die and come back to life? And I'm not talking about like, like a little like two-minute thing, like some compressions and they shocked you. No, I'm t- three days dead in the grave. And then I may bow down. But that's exactly what James does. Luke had probably met Mary. And so this is the result of time spent in conversations with eyewitnesses, people who are there, himself there. He goes on to say, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers. Ministers is a, is a servant, is a helper. So don't think of a position in a church. That's not what he's talking about. It's the plural form there, meaning that there was a lot of these eyewitness and servant helpers that were around. If you don't believe me, don't just take it from me, but go ask them. Go check with them. Go see them and hear the stories from them. That's what he's saying. There's, there's a lot. It's not, just a, it's not just a one-time thing that I get together over here and try to make up these cool stories, these cool facts, and, and, and go with it. No, there's tons of people, eyewitnesses, ministers, who are well, well aware of the story. So just as those from, who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word have delivered them to us. So these people saw, they witnessed, they served, they helped, they took the stories of to the world. This is one of those, hey, have, have you heard what so-and-so did? Type of rooted in truth and reality because they were there and they saw it themselves and it was going to be a story that would change the very course of the world. Ch- change the very, the very course of this world. And, and so as I read and as I looked at, at, at the simplicity even of this little verse here, I mean, does this not need to be us today? Does this not need to be us? Do we not need to take the story of hope that we know to be true to the world that is hopeless? Do we not need to take what we've experienced and what we've seen in our life to this world and tell of the story of Jesus, who He is, what He's accomplished, what He's done in us, in our heart, in our life? We need to witness and we need to evangelize. I mean, we'll tell the world about everything else, won't we? Tell them about sports. We'll post about our kids. Politics, happenings. But what would this world look like if we would rise up and we would tell the story that we know to be true? And if that would be the primary story that we tell over and over and over on repeat. Hey, we want to think of ourselves as deep and spiritual. And we want to talk about deep theological, doctrinal type stuff and get in debate, those type of things. But we don't love the lost enough to tell them the greatest story that's ever been told. The greatest story that we know. I mean, if we would just start there, sharing who Jesus is, sharing this story. And if we'd share this story more than just, uh, just the couple weeks before Christmas. I mean, it's a phenomenal story. It's a story that trumps my car story. It's a story that trumps any story in this room this morning. It's a story that actually means something. It actually carries some, some weight and it can change lives need to tell people the story, the story about Jesus. We need to tell them from the scriptures and we need to tell them from our experiences. And what Christ has done, what he has accomplished. And so it goes on in verse 
He says this, he says, It seemed good to me also, having uh, followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theopolis. And so whenever he says Theopolis, Theopolis, that name means friend of God. And so this was probably the name of a, a real person. Not so much symbolic, but a, but a real person. He's, he's writing to a real person here that, that, that he knows and he's aware of. And there's all kinds of suggestions of who this Theopolis is, what his identity is, maybe a Roman governor, maybe the official who would hear Paul's case in Rome, maybe a friend of Luke. And so it's not fully clear who Theopolis is, but he is a real guy and is not 100% certain where he stands fully in the Christian faith. He's either undergone Christian instruction or he's heard a, a friendly report. But in either case, wherever, he's, wherever he falls, he, he's curious and he's hungry and he's, he's wanting to know. And so Luke pens this letter, shares his knowledge of faith with him, goes deeper to point out who Christ is. And then what he's going to do is he's going to tell the reason why in the next verse here. So, so that you may know that certainly. I mean, isn't it nice to know something for certain? I mean, in a day that's ever changing, in situations and circumstances that, that, that go every which way, is it not nice just to have some certainty in life? To, to know without a shadow of a doubt. And that's why Luke pins this letter. And when you see this word here, certainty, it's a, it's a word translated infallibility. So it's infallible, without error. It's a, it's a concept upon which the Scriptures, there's been wars waged around the Scriptures for decades. The infallibility and errancy of the Word of God. And what Luke's doing is telling him, hey, man, you, you can trust this. There, there's great, great certainty. And so without apology, Luke claims in the Gospels that, that you can know truth. That you can know Christ. That you can be aware and walk in that. And so what he's doing is he's telling Theopolis, man, read these. Read these stories. Get familiar with these stories. Know these stories. You'll find out facts and truths about Christianity. You'll find out who Jesus Christ really is. Something solid that you can stand on, that you can, that you can uh, base your life on. Something that is trustworthy, a very foundation to build upon is what he's telling them. That you may know certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And so what that lets us know is that Theophilus probably had heard some stories. Probably had been made aware of some things about Jesus. Maybe he didn't know a lot of them, but he knew some. And so he writes, Luke writes to tell him the rest of it. Give him a better understanding of who Jesus is. And church, that's a privilege and honor that we have. As, as ambassadors for Christ. As making a plea before this world for Christ. That's the honor that has been laid upon us. I mean, that we can converse with people, that we can proclaim, that we can tell people of who Jesus is. And so we need to know Jesus in a way that goes far beyond some historical figure. Some guy named Jesus that lived at a period of time that goes far beyond that with some, some childhood stories that we may know. We need to know him deeply and intimately. That's how we need to know Jesus. As a friend, deeply and intimately, God in the flesh, making his arrival as a baby in a manger. That humble, humble way like that. We, we, we need to believe it with everything in us. We need to trust it with everything in us to the point of where it dictates every facet of our life. Our very behavior is changed and modified as a result of this relationship that we have with the resurrected Christ. Who graces us in the form of a manger takes on flesh and blood like you and I and lives a perfect We need to know him deeply and intimately. We need to walk closely to him. 
if this story is true, we are fools if we don't. If this story is true, the implications that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes will be forever, eternally changing for your life. We need to walk intimately and deeply with him. So if this is not a story that you know, trust, love, and celebrate this, just celebrate it just this time of year, then I would say you don't truly understand and know the story. You don't truly know the character in the story who is so much more than a character. He's a savior. He is God. And so we've been given the responsibility to tell. We've been given the honor to go and proclaim and make known. That's what this time of year is about. That's what this time of year is about. It's not about the trees. It's not about the presents. It's not about the lights on the house. It's not about all the traditions that we have. It's about the reality of the greatest gift ever given. That's what it's about. And I just love the intentionality of our God, how he sets it up. Like how he sets it up for us. I mean, this time of year, every, no matter what, no, no matter where you're at, everybody knows this time of year what it stands for. Not truly, but it's set up as a time where, where this is, should be so easy for us as believers to share. It should be so easy for us as followers of Christ to tell of the story. It should be so, there's never a better time than now. I mean, it's Christmas. I mean, everywhere you go, Merry Christmas. Everywhere you go, Happy Holidays. I don't know if you're a Christmas holiday person. I mean, I don't take too much stock in that. I don't care if they tell me Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever. I mean, I know where I stand in Christmas, and, and that just gives me another door to open to be able to share or talk or tell. I mean, there's never been a better time than this season. So, so what are you doing with the story? What are you doing with the story? What have you done with the story? And I'm not even just talking about this season. There's been 11 months leading up to today. There's been 11 months leading up to the day that we're going to celebrate here in a few days. What have you done with the story there? What are you going to do with the story the day after? I mean, stories are given to do what? To tell. To share. I guarantee you there will probably be a time in your life when you reflect back and be like, remember what that idiot did in that car that time? Mm. Like, like parents, you'll go home and be like, son, if you ever, that preacher, what he said, if you ever, you do that to share, to teach. You remember that. This story is no different. This story, the greatest story ever told. That's the very foundation of our faith. An actual event that actually took place and happened in our world. So our faith is not a blind faith. Uh, our faith is based upon real happenings in a real world. Not some just made up something. A story where people were willing to die for to get out. A, a story where life was taken. A story where there's been hurt. A story where there's, there's been a, all kinds of oppression and things happen as a result of telling the story. A, a story that people base everything in their life around and on. And are unwilling to deny regardless of the cost. That is our faith. So turn to Luke 2, starting in verse 1, and I just want to read the story, and then I want to leave you with some implications, and we'll celebrate this morning by taking communion. Celebrate that story that we know to be true. Luke, Luke 2, 1 says this. It says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. 
This was the first registration when Quirius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. So to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, he was with child. <coughs> and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. And you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger in verse 17. And when they saw it, known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child and all who heard it wondered at at what the shepherds told them but Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told to them at the end of eight days when he was circumcised he was called Jesus the name given by the angel was conceived in the womb what a story What a story that the God of this universe would send His Son to be born and wrap Him in flesh and blood just like you and I and live a life just like you and I. Perfect. No sin. He could be the perfect sacrifice. So what are some of the implications of this story? Because the reality is this, I mean, you've got to land at a place. Every one of us in this room has to land at a place, whether or not you believe the story. Not whether you tolerate it, not whether you're okay with it, but but whether or not you believe the story. (laughs) Because if you believe the story, man, it'll change your life. If you walk in that truth of this story, it will change your life forever. But if you don't, if you don't, so the implications is this as the band comes back up. I think one of the implications that we can draw is this, is is that God is real. Is that God is real. That He has spoken. That He has moved toward His creation. That He cares. The the thing I love about this story is that God initiates. God doesn't just sit back and wait and hope, but but, but He is intentional and He initiates. I think another thing, implication from this story is this, is that God loves. God cares. I mean, God doesn't just love like we love or, or he doesn't think about the way that we think about love, but, but, but he thinks about love as in all in. And, and he, is, he loves so much that he's going to give his son for what is a sacrifice. Another implication is that God cares. That God is aware. I think an implication of this story is this, is that God offers, and what he offers is this, is he offers hope. He offers hope. In a day and a time that seemed hopeless, he offers hope. 
in a manger. He offers new birth. I think one of the greatest implications is this, is he offers forgiveness. He makes a way where we can't. And in that gift, there's forgiveness. There's mercy and there's grace that is poured out. And we get to tell people about that. We get to share that story. And I think what breaks my heart is how often we don't. Because the really big implication that that comes from this story is eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. And what this story tells me is that that we all fall in that category of, of needing rescue. Every single one of us. And so we know and we've got the help offered to the world. And we can share and we can tell. And we don't. So I don't know where you're at this morning. All I know is this, is that you have got today to tell the story. And the great news is you don't have to be good at telling the story. You don't have to be like some master storyteller. I mean, it can be the simplistic story of, hey man, God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for sinful, wicked man like me. I don't know if you've ever heard that story, but I just want to share it with you and tell you for a moment. I mean, we don't have to get into all the details and the we just we just tell the story and the Holy Spirit does the work. The Holy Spirit does the work. All I know is on that day, when we're coming back from basketball practice and we made it home. And we pull into the driveway because my house was first. We all look at each other and we say, We don't tell this story. Mm mm. That's not a story you want getting out. And I don't, I don't remember ever telling that story. I don't even know if I told my wife that story until today. Because that's the story you don't want getting out. I think the thing that breaks my heart is that's the way that we live the gospel. Is, is that we have this amazing, awesome story of a God who loves, of a God who cares, of a God who desires relationship with his fallen creation. And we tell every other story but this story, the story of hope. So I don't know what God stirred in your heart. I don't know if he maybe has awakened you for the first time of the reality of this story and, and the implications of what that means, that, that there, there's rescue offered, that there's hope offered, that there's salvation offered, that there's forgiveness offered through the baby who would grow to be a man who would live a perfect life and die as a sacrifice. I don't, I don't know if that's the case this morning, but man, I would encourage you to walk in that in faith and believe. Or if maybe today's what he's done is he's convicted you that you haven't told it enough, that you haven't shared it enough, that there's people in your neighborhood that don't know the true story, that they think it's about that reindeer on the roof or the big old guy in the red suit out in the blow-up thing that does the weird waving stuff. I mean, we've got the responsibility to share and tell.
And I don't know what he stirred in your heart, but I would encourage you to submit, follow, and believe. So I think one of the cool ways that we as the church can celebrate our belief in this story and the truth in this story is by, by partaking in communion, by joining at the table of the Lord. Because it's at that table that reminds us of this story. That's what this story is about. The story is about that table and what he did for us at that table. Because that bread that we break, he says, that's his flesh broken for us. The drink that we drink is a reminder of the blood that was shed for him, and that's the blood for the remission of sin, and that's what we drink in this morning. So as we partake of the elements of communion, it's us saying, yeah, I believe that story. And in essence, what I'm saying is, yes, I believe that story so much that I want to tell people about that story. Because that's the greatest story ever told, ever told we get to and so, so what I want to do before they play and we pray and we spend time at the altar or we just look and ask God to speak in this moment I just I want to read what Paul writes to the uh, believers there at Corinth where he says whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord what he's doing is he's just elevating the reality of what they're about to partake in he, he's elevating the Christmas story it wasn't just some baby. It wasn't just some guy. He, he's elevating. If, if you take it in an unworthy, way, in an unworthy manner, it's unfit, a, a ritualistic, unrepentant heart type manner, a spirit of bitterness or any other ungodly attitude type matter, then you're saying, yeah, I'm guilty. So to come to this table clinging to your sin dishonors the ceremony of his body and his blood. It spits in the face of you're just making a mockery of the sacrifice of the birth of who Christ is and you're holding on to sin and so for us as believers there's no area of our life that's off limits to that of Christ so he says don't take it in an unworthy manner let a person examine himself examine just to test or to prove to make sure what to make sure what that you belong to Christ that you're not living in open rebellion then and so then eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. The word here is that of condemnation. You're, you're saying by taking the elements of the table of the cross there that you are guilty and you deserve the strictest of punishments. And then he's going to give some of those results. He says this, if you do it in an unworthy manner, that, that's why many of you are weak and ill and some of you have even died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And so he just warns them, I mean, don't, don't, don't overlook what you're about to partake in. Don't just do it because that's what you do this morning. And do it in light of you to be true. And the reality is there's not one of us in this room that can come in a worthy manner. It's only through the sacrifice of what Christ has done on the cross for us. I mean, we need to search our heart and we need to ask. God, is there sin? Is there rebellion? And so that's what we want to do. We want a time of just prayer and a time of response. And then what we'll do is we'll come back and we'll partake in the elements of communion. And so they're going to be up here in the, in the manger just as a reminder of the greatest story ever told, that this, this is the body of our 
Lord and Savior. So if you want to partake this morning as in, in this time, you can come up, you can pray, or you can just come up and get it and go back to your seat and you can pray there, you can just reflect or you can just sing and worship. However you need to respond in this moment, I want you to move as the Lord leads. But communion, the elements will be here and you be obedient. Father, we love you, Jesus, we need you. I just thank you again for this morning. I just thank you for your mercy and grace, your help. God, I just ask that you make your presence known in this moment. Greatest story ever told. That's where our hope can be found. And Father, if there be one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, God, that today would be the day of salvation, that you would open up their heart to the reality of their need for you. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Coming in the form of a humble babe. And we pray. Amen.